We all experience transitions. Some of them are forced upon us. Some of them are by choice. When a pivot does happen, the mindset we have makes all the difference. On this episode, John Corcoran returns to challenge us to grow beyond what is safe. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 362. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And if you've been leading in any capacity in any kind of organization, you know the value of changing things up. Sometimes the choice is ours to make that change and to pivot into something new. Oftentimes the choice is made for us or it's influenced by things that are happening in our professional lives around us. And today I'm really glad to welcome back to the show someone who's been a leader in so many different places and has also leveraged the value of pivoting effectively and doing it in a way that has really grown and strengthened tremendous relationships. I'm thrilled to welcome back to Coaching for Leaders, John Corcoran. He is a recovering attorney, writer, and former speechwriter to both President Bill Clinton and the governor of California. Throughout his career, John has worked in Hollywood, the heart of Silicon Valley, and ran his own law firm in the San Francisco Bay Area, catering to small business owners and entrepreneurs. He's written for Forbes, Entrepreneur, Business Insider, Lifehacker, the San Francisco Chronicle, and many more. And he's also the creator of the Smart Business Revolution and Smart Business Revolution podcast. John, I am so glad to welcome you back to the show. Dave, it's it's such a pleasure to talk with you. And we have to do this more frequently than every four years. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I, I've lost track of how many times you've been on the show, but it has been a few years. I think this is your fourth or fifth or sixth appearance. And you've been a great teacher to so many of us on building networks and strengthening networks. And I'm just in awe of everything you've done over the last uh, you know, five, 10 years. So thank well, you. Thank for you, sir. Me. And the admiration is mutual. I, we were talking beforehand about everything you've done with your academy growing that. So I'm really proud that that's worked out really well for you. So, um, And this podcast has just been tremendous. You and I connected many years ago when our podcasts were much smaller. Mine's been kind of like limping along and yours gone rocket fuel, which I'm really, uh, I couldn't be happier for you. So and this is going to be fun talking about pivoting and you know how you do that as a leader, how you do that in your career, in your business. Yeah, and that's, this is something that's really become relevant for, it's been relevant to both of us in our journeys over the last few years, but especially for you and your business partner, Jeremy. Um, for those of you who've not heard John before on the show, I mean, he's been doing some really innovative things in his career over the last few years, and you have been pivoting in a really intentional way. And I, I want to get into that and, and learn more about what you've been doing. And I'm curious a little bit before we go there. I mean, you have reinvented yourself a whole bunch of times. Already, John. <laughs> I, I guess mean, I'm a reinvention junkie. Or something yeah, like. maybe, maybe. But here's the thing is you've been doing it really successfully. So you worked in the White House. You worked for Governor Gray Davis. You've run your own law firm really successfully. You've become an online entrepreneur. And you are by far and away of all the people I've had on this show probably the best connected person I know. I mean, anytime I run into someone at a conference, uh, it's amazing to me how often your name comes up. And one of the things I'm curious about is just kind of looking back over some of those previous transitions. Um, 
How have you thought about pivoting and change in the context of those last changes? So sometimes there's change which is forced upon you, and sometimes there is change that's proactive, that you're you're looking for a change. You're not happy with the way things are, or you want to pursue something new. I've experienced both in my career. You know, I was a, a speechwriter in the governor's office for Governor Gray Davis. For those of you who can remember, this was back in the early 2000s. Arnold Schwarzenegger came, came along and decided that he was going to run for office. It was kind of like what happened in 2016 with the the Donald Trump election, where it was just kind of shocked the political world where California had a recall election. And I was on the losing end of that, lost my job. At the same time, I was relocating to the San Francisco Bay Area, just bought a house, which is crazy right before that happened. So looking back, it was kind of a chaotic time. And I ended up going to law school after that, kind of rebooting my career. And then I've also iterated my career. You know, once I became a lawyer, I went through and went in different practice areas, which is each of those is like a pivot when you go from one practice area to another and people think of you in a different way. And then in our most recent iteration with Rise 25, the company that I've run for the last few years with my business partner, Jeremy, we we have, uh, you know, we've, we've pivoted that that as well. So, yeah, I mean, when I think about pivots, I think about there's so many different factors that go into a decision whether to make a pivot versus an iteration, which is a minor adjustment of your business. You know, a complete pivot really can involve completely rebranding yourself, changing the language that you use to describe what it is you do, which probably appears all over the place, right? On your LinkedIn, on your website, you know, on, on resumes, CVs, all that, you know, all marketing materials you might have to change all of those things. So it's nothing small. It can take a long time to do these things. And that's why it requ- I think it requires a lot of forethought. You really have to think through before you make a decision like that. One of the things that I was thinking about with your career is how much you, throughout all of these different, in many cases, very, very different roles, how much you've both had to be a really good communicator and writer and a relationship builder. In the midst of all these changes, what has stayed the same for you around the skill set you've been growing? Yeah. So although these can seem very different from, you know, I worked in, I was an early employee of DreamWorks. I was, as you mentioned, I, I worked in the Clinton White House as writer in presidential letters and messages. I was a speechwriter to governor of California you know, I, I've been running my own practice, you know, and, you know, started a blog and a, a blog and a podcast, Smart Business Revolution, which exceeded my income as a lawyer. So then I pivoted into that. So, you know, these are a lot of different changes, but throughout the common thread has been, you have to place a premium on relationships. This is critically important, no matter what industry you're in. And I can say this, not just from my own personal experience, but I also say this as having been a practicing attorney, and I saw people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars over protracted litigation over disputes which were which arose out of a relationship breakdown. And where a simple act of one person taking blame or one person allowing to accept fault would have ended that entire dispute. So, you know, protracted disputes with costing our economy, costing our businesses, costing our our families, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars arise out of relationships or breakdowns thereof. 
And so I think it's just so incredibly important that you build relationships carefully, deliberately, intentionally with the people who you want to surround yourself with. You'll be happier. You'll live a better life. You'll deliver deliver better results for the people that you work for and with. And so even though today I help people to do those things, it's something that I've done throughout my career, done my entire career. And there's a couple of lenses that I think come up for that. One of them is the relationships you've already built when a a major change happens or a maybe a minor iteration happens in your career or your business. And then, of course, there's the relationships yet to come. With the relationships you've already built, looking back on some of these past changes, how did you approach those when those changes happen? Yeah, it's interesting because oftentimes I think people, they resist the pivot because of the relationships that may be left behind. And and there's really no other way to put it. Uh, you know, I'm a kid who, when I was growing up, my father lost his job three separate times. And each time we had to move about 3,000 miles away across country to a, a new job, a new life, leaving behind family, friends, that sort of thing. And that's hard. It's really hard to do. In today's day and age with social media, you don't have to fully leave people behind the way that I did when I was a kid. And, you know, today you don't have to give up all those relationships. And if, you know, if you pivot carefully, you can often continue to leverage those relationships or they come back from time to time. You know, I mean, we can't, as we grow our networks, I mean, you know, when you start your career, when you're, you know, 22 years old, graduating from college or whatever, graduate school in your 20s, you know, you might have, you might know a thousand people. You might have a thousand professional relationships. In five years, you might have 10,000. In 10 years, you might have 20,000. These numbers grow and you can't have the same individualized attention and exposure and interaction with the same group of people that you do in your 20s as you do in your 30s and your 40s. These things, they, they change by nature. And part of me is, is sad by that because, you know, that relationships are left behind. The other part feels good because there are ways that you can, you know, using mediums like this, you can continue to touch people, you continue to help larger groups of people as your career grows, as your career advances, as your business moves on. I think of it as your current network of relationships, you don't have to leave them all behind, thankfully, thanks to technology these days. And if you think about it, it's such a huge world. There's probably thousands of people out there who you've yet to meet, who you've yet to build a relationship with who you can help doing what it is you do, and you'll also have really fulfilling relationships with in the future. You know, So think about that, that, and that's a more optimistic way of looking at things. What's one of the relationships you've had from your previous life, either in the legal work or in government work, that has transitioned uh, or maybe even evolved or grown in a really interesting way that has kind of leveraged that relationship for you? The first one that comes to mind is actually a relationship. My uh, my business partner, Jeremy, he went to chiropractics. I think they went to chiropractic school with his friend, Dr. Scott Gray. And then they also went and they did a training after chiropractic school where they went this intensive, like how to run a chiropractic business training together. It was like six months or so. They did it together. And then they've collaborated in various different projects. And we've even done some events together where we've co-hosted events together. 
that's the first one that comes to mind because an example of someone who like kind of coming throughout an entire career and up until present day. Now that you're not always going to get that kind of experience where you can do that. I, I and I've had you know I've had clients. There are other podcasters who've been legal clients who I've also collaborated with. Like they've been on my show, I've been on their show. You know, we've done events together. So there are there are relationships that you can. You know, if you if you organize things appropriately, that you can bring people back into your life, you know, in ways that you can. Like you and I, I mean, you know, you and I don't get to talk all that frequently, but you know, using a medium like this, we can we can you know come back and and collaborate on things, or even if it's just exchanging ideas, you know. And 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 what I love is you don't need to have a podcast or a video show. You don't need to use any particular medium like that in order to collaborate with people these days. Our world is kind of shrinking where there are connections and you can work with people on a, on a global scale now easier than ever thanks to Skype, thanks to Zoom, thanks to technologies that allow us to shrink the distance between us. And so that I think that allows us to keep those, those prior relationships and keep them going and, and continue to come back to them again and again. Yeah, I love that focus on relationship. And I, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, um, I have someone in my professional world. In fact, he's been a, a guest on this uh, show before who was at one point a competitor, was a client at one point, was my boss at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, uh, was a friend throughout most of that time and still is. Right. I mean, it's really like you think about all the different relationships, contractor, I mean, all the different roles someone could play in a professional life. And the relationship changed, obviously, throughout those different roles, but also stayed strong. And technology helped leverage a lot of that. But it was also the mindset on both parties of like, hey, this is a relationship first. And yeah, we need to honor whatever role is here today, but this is first and foremost a great relationship. And how can we really leverage this relationship to be beneficial to each other? Yeah, you see that where relationships kind of come back around again. Throughout my career, I've been at the height, I've been at the nadir. You know, I've worked for two leaders, one of which was impeached, one of which was recalled. Mm. So I've I've experienced my own personal dot com failures, and I know it's I know what it's like to feel like you're on the top of the world, and I know what it's like to feel like you're just being swept under the rug, and so. It is critically important to to continue to nurture those relationships because you never know when you may need them. I think about, you know, after the recall election, I was looking for anything and I was very fortunate that had some people that helped me out during that time. And I ended up landing my feet. I ended up getting a job basically right away after the recall happened, whereas some of my other peers, other colleagues went months and months without any paycheck. That's really hard. So someone might be your boss today. They might be a contractor for you tomorrow. You might collaborate in some way. You want to keep those relationships fresh. You want to treat those people with respect. You want to treat those people with dignity, even if you're up here, you're they're down there, because you never know in the future what might happen. I'm hearing a lot from you on mindset here in this, of uh, mindset of relationship first, context role second keeping that relationship strong allows for those inevitable changes that we all have in our careers. And I mean, you said it perfectly, like being at the very top of your game to being swept under the rug the next day. And I I think almost all of us have had, if not just one, multiple experiences of that in our careers. I know I have. 
And so I'm also curious on the the future piece too. As you make a shift and a transition, I mean, you've just been through this with with Jeremy. You guys have changed your business. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But now you're needing to re-explain, recontextualize what yep. you're doing. How does that play out for you? I mean, it, it's really interesting because you can imagine when you're working at the White House, it's like you're working for. Google or Facebook or one of these tech titans right now. I mean, you can kind of pick up the phone and anyone will call you back quickly. You know? Yeah, yeah. To go from that to, wait, who is this? Or people hanging up on you. But yeah, I just posted something on my Facebook yesterday about how if you're not getting enough no's, you're not trying hard enough. And that was a reminder to others as much as it was a reminder to myself because I'd gotten some no's. In other words, I'd tried a couple of things. I reached out to a couple of people and they weren't interested or whatever. I got no's this morning. If you're not doing those things, you're not trying hard enough. Because I think you need to be growing beyond what is safe. And if you get no's, it means you're on the cusp of a new level, a new community, a new group, a new company, whatever it is you're trying to break through. You know, if you're not receiving no's, then you're not trying to break through to something else. If everyone's saying yes, then you're, you're, maybe you're not charging enough. Maybe you're not trying to get a higher caliber client. Maybe you're not trying to get a higher caliber employee. So those no's indicate that I think you're, you're reaching higher and you're trying new things. I've always admired people that in spite of success, are still experiencing setbacks and trying further. I've always, uh, maybe disdain is too strong a word, I've always not had respect for companies, individuals, firms, agencies, whatever, that kind of sit on their lead. And, and you see this happen where innovation just completely atrophies, right? Mm. You think like Microsoft in the 90s was the biggest company out there, and then you know Apple just completely ate their lunch maybe not in terms of market share, but they, they have been for a long time. That's just kind of generally my life at, attitude towards things is that you should be testing yourself, you should be trying. And the problem with being at the top, like being at the White House or being at the top of an industry, a company that's that actually not even at the top, but when you feel like you're at the top, mm. is that you stop that trying. Uh-huh. You, you stop that testing of yourself. And there are things you can do that can test this. For example... Just there are plenty of great causes out there that you probably believe in that will gladly take your time in a phone bank calling people, raising money for a cause, or going and knocking on doors. I've done both of those things. They suck. It hurts. It's hard. You take a lot of rejection, but it makes you realize that you're going to get over it. Rejection is okay. And when you pivot, circling back to the discussion of pivoting, when you pivot, you're going to experience that. I'm out of my depth now. So the pivot that we made with our company is we decided to shift into focusing on helping e-commerce entrepreneurs, e-commerce business owners, as people are selling physical products online. The reason we did that was because we had an event, went really well, and we said, you know, we're going to double down on this strategy. It's working really well. We're going to do more of it. You were doing something similar, so our audience knows, to what We've been doing with the academy, but you were doing it for entrepreneurs. And so now you've made the shift to be more for e-commerce. So similar similar concept, but just a different right. audience. 
Right. So, and, and there's a lot of similarities and that's why it's really more of a pivot rather than a complete reboot or a new company or anything like that. Yeah. We're doing, we had been doing events. We'd been doing small group curated events for entrepreneurs. We're still doing small curated group events only for one type of entrepreneur. And whereas previously we've been doing it primarily for the audience, the tribe that we'd built, in this case, we're, we've now been partnering with large conferences and large software companies that have an existing audience, existing demand, and doing it in partnership with them. So it's, you know, it's not a complete reboot, but because it's a completely different audience, you, know, you experience some degree of self-doubt, absolutely, and you also experience some degree of rejection where people think maybe that you are not up to the job. And that's okay. I think you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with some people saying you're not up to the job. You get rejected all the time. This never ends. The people questioning whether you're up to the job. Elon Musk, the founder of SpaceX and, and Tesla, has taken a lot of heat in recent days. Uh, and on Twitter, a bunch of people were bashing him because he was talking about how he gets negative feedback. The media will, will call him a billionaire, but they do it in a negative way. And some people were just heavily criticizing him for it. I'm a big fan of his. I'll just say that outright. He works like a dog, and he's, he's definitely a big, true believer that climate change is damaging the planet, and then he needs to do everything that he can, one, to shift to sustainable transportation through Tesla, and two, to create a, a backup plan, which is getting to Mars. Now, those are very massive visions, both of those yeah. things. And involve a tremendous amount of disruption, and he's taken a tremendous amount of blowback for it. And so you can imagine if someone does something like that, then we can expect that we can experience it in our own efforts to evolve our career and to move into new areas and, and that sort of thing. I think I've mentioned on the show before that my first year working for Dale Carnegie, I was so bad at my job that the year in, I went and offered my resignation because- I remember that. It's, and the, the reality is I spent most of that year getting no's because I wasn't very good at my work. I didn't know how to reach out to people. I was at best a mediocre salesperson as far as representing the organization. And I look back on that now, John, and I realize- how valuable that was because I at least got somewhat comfortable. Comfortable is not even the right word. I was able to stand getting no's all day long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> tolerate point. rejection. Yeah, I, I was yeah. able to tolerate it. For, Stomach it, yeah. Yeah, and people, and still ask occasionally, like, well, how did you grow the show? How did you get these people on the podcast? And one of the very simple answers to that is the first year or so, I was just comfortable getting no's. And now looking back on that experience, had I not had that experience for that year and all the way through that, that portion of my career, I would have given up way, way early on yeah. in the efforts to do this platform and the work I'm doing today. Right. Yeah. I mean, you also think if it's easy, then anyone can do it. And then a lot of people do do it. And then it's very competitive. And that's not a great market to be in in any field. So, you know, it's better to go into fields where there's a lot of people are going to experience a lot of rejection. And so a lot of people are going to give up. I remember during college, I would go to classes that were over impacted and there was it was totally packed. I hadn't enrolled, so I wasn't enrolled in the class, but I knew I needed to take the class or I wanted to take the class. And the professor would stand up there and there's people in the aisles and everything. And he'd say, 
you know what? If you are not enrolled in this class, there's absolutely zero chance that you're getting into this class. So you might as well just pack up your stuff and get up now. And sure enough, 20, 30, 40 people would get up, pick up their stuff and they'd walk out and I'd say like, see you later. Good. Glad. And I just sit there and then I'd go up at the end of class and be like, hey, I'm not enrolled in the class, but I'd like to take the class. And they'd say like, oh, no, you have no chance, whatever. I'd show up the next class. And I'd say, hey, I'm here again. Just want to let you know. It's just, uh, you know, I'd really like to take the class. Need to take it away. I did this multiple times in college. It never once failed. I mm. always got into every single class. Because if you have enough stomach to tolerate past what others will not tolerate, then the world will reward you for it. It's really interesting in the context of what you're going through now because you've changed a bit of what you're doing. But your core skill set in many ways that you're leveraging and what you're best at in the world, John, is is very much the same. And in fact, you've been doing this for a decade or so. I've been to so many events that you have hosted over the years and had dinners and events, and you've gotten people building relationships. And the context has changed a lot, but the core skill is very similar. How do you separate those as far as being comfortable with context changing in a role, in a career, in an organization, but also still being true to the skill that you're really world-class at. You know, I think it ultimately comes with uh, awareness, self-awareness of, of what, your, what your unique skill set is, what you're really good at, and then also who you want to do it for. You're right that it has changed context. I mean, what I do today is not all that much of a leap from what I did 10 years ago as a practicing lawyer, where I would bring together three or four people over coffee. And in that context, it was doing it with, in terms of stature, where I was, you know, a beginning attorney, and I would bring together senior attorneys who had 30 years of experience as an attorney, and charged a heck of a lot more than I did, <laughs> made a lot more money than I did. And I'd bring them together, and I'd bring them together in small contacts and in lunches or coffees or whatever. And when you do that, you deliver value to people. And so, you know, what I do now is a similar model. It's not always about me. It's often about others. And it's about bringing together groups of people. And they see the value of being together with other people. And I charge a lot more now for the privilege of being a part of that than I did back then. But it's fundamentally similar. And whether you're selling something that's free or you're selling something that's expensive, you got to convince people of its value in either instance, whether it's convincing someone to come across town, meet you for coffee and two other people for coffee, or whether it's, you know, paying a couple thousand dollars to attend an event where they're going to give up a day of their time, their art, their time is really valuable or, or whatever. So I think to answer your question, you know, look at who it is you want to be with. That's really important. Look at self-awareness, what your skill set is and how you can combine those two and continue to do more of those. And the, the people piece might change. It might evolve over time. It does evolve over time where you kind of lose interest maybe or you want to surround yourself with a different group of people or get stale. And even the, the activity that you engage in, the, the service you provide or the things that you do might change too where you kind of tire of it or something. And it's good to be aware of those things as well. You know, like what we're doing right now, before I even had a podcast, I would interview people, I would write it up, and I would share it on a medium. 
And that's not that different from doing a podcast. And you said you did the same thing. Yeah. Great conversations and great relationships. And we'll continue doing that even if podcasting ends tomorrow. And so that's, that's a self-awareness, right? That's a self-awareness that I enjoy doing this thing and I enjoy doing it with a certain type of person. For you, it's leaders. For me, it's e-commerce entrepreneurs or, or professional services entrepreneurs. It's interesting how sometimes the thing that we're best at, even world-class at, we just we don't recognize for sometimes years or even recognize to the point where we're ready to build a brand within our company around it or a business around it or a consulting or a coaching organization around it. I mean, there's, there's so much opportunity for most of us. I, I know I've undervalued my skills and my value to the marketplace in many ways throughout my career. Have you run into that too? One of the things that holds us back there is... While relationships can advance this, they can also inhibit us. They can also hold us back. So when you're working within a company, you have an identity. And whether you realize it or not, sometimes we're reluctant, even if we're, we want to go towards some new activity, we're reluctant because we know it's going to be disruptive and it's going to change people's perception of, of us. So maybe you're working within a company and you want to do something different or something new, something fresh, whether it's organizing events, or maybe it's being more involved in hiring, or maybe it's being more involved on a strategy level, or maybe it's deepening your involvement in, in terms of deciding what direction the company goes in, whatever, you know, there's something new and different. And so sometimes those relationships, they do hold us back. But powering through that and finding a way to get through that and at least come to terms with it and having that be a piece of what it is you do when you show up each day is going to make us more empowered, is going to make us happier, going to make us feel more fulfilled, and we're going to want to show up each day because of those new things. We, can't, we need these things. We need these things in our lives because interests evolve, interests change. Maybe they don't change as rapidly as mine have throughout my career, <laughs> rapidly going from politics, entertainment, law, you name it. Yeah. But even in spite of that, I, I know very few people that show up on, in their early 20s and they want to be doing exactly the same thing, same functions 40 years later. Most people, it evolves and changes. So you have to embrace that and you have to find ways that you can incorporate that into the work that you do. You never really arrive, do you? <laughs> I mean, in any of no. this, none of us no, ever No, no, you don't. I've talked with my father about this a couple of times. It doesn't matter the platform that you're on. Even if you're at the top of your game, you're a CEO of a major national, international company, there's some other level. It could be other larger companies. I mean, if you're president of the United States, it's the cool kids table is not being president of the United States. It's being considered one of the best presidents of the United States. Yep. So there is always something else that we're striving for, no matter what level that we're at. And if you don't strive for that, then life becomes a lot less interesting. Mm. And relationships are a critical piece of getting to that next level, whether it's in your career, whether it's with your business or, or whatever. And so that's why I've always put a premium on that's why I've, I've always put a lot of effort into developing them, because I know if you develop relationships with the right people, then it makes everything a lot easier. 
John, this has been great. You are a tremendous resource and you have been over the years for our listeners on relationship building and networking. I know that smartbusinessrevolution.com is a good place for people to go if they're looking for some ideas and suggestions and templates. And also your podcast, especially if you're an entrepreneur. I listen to your podcast all the time and it's always giving me ideas. And you know, one of the things I love about what you do on your show is just the diversity of people you talk to. I mean, from every industry, every walk of life, people that are so different than me and do so many things differently in business than I would do. And yet every time I listen, there's something that I grab from one of those conversations, even if it's someone who's like, oh gosh, I would never do something that way. But it was really interesting. I had this one idea uh, and I'll find I'll implement it right away. So thank you for providing Mm -hmm. those resources to us and we'll get all those in the show notes. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, this is such a pleasure. And same thing, you know, we really need to do this more often than every four years. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Yeah. We'll consider yeah. it a date. <laughs> Good. John has been a guest several times before on this podcast and a number of related episodes that if today's conversation was helpful will also be supportive to you. Back on episode 106, John and I talked about how to create your personal networking plan. It is his philosophy and system for how to do that effectively. If you're just thinking about how to start to build relationships in a more strategic way, I think John's thinking on that episode will help frame a way that will practically help you to do that. And I've just found his leadership in this area to be tremendous. So check that out, episode 106. Also a value to you, especially if you find yourself sometimes being a little awkward in conversations like I occasionally do, is episode 169, Six Ways to Recover from a Bad First Impression. John, a while back, had done some writing for a couple of publications on how to overcome that challenge. And I talked about in that episode that you know I don't always make the first best first impressions. And so we talked about some of the strategies that both of us have used and also that he found in his research that he's seen people utilize effectively in order to overcome when you didn't quite land that first impression the way you wanted to. What can you do a little more effectively? Again, that's episode 169. And then finally, a conversation I have recommended to many people over the last several years, episode 209, how to get ROI from professional associations. John talked a bit about this in our conversation, but we did a deep dive on this on episode 209. If you are a part of a community, an association, a membership, a professional organization, this is a really helpful framework for you on thinking about how you can actually build relationships more effectively within that organization. And John and I discussed some of the key strategies that you can utilize in just about any organization to start to build relationships, but not only for your benefit, in fact, probably most importantly, that will really benefit the people in the organization and that will benefit the organization as a whole. So if that is interesting to you and you're looking for some ways, if you're involved in the professional organization to leverage that membership for the benefit of everyone, episode 209 is absolutely a place I would recommend starting. You can access all of those episodes by going over to the coachingforleaders.com website, If you hit slash podcast at the end of that, it'll get you right over to the episode library. If you don't already have your free membership set up, 
I would recommend setting that up on the website when you're there. That's going to give you access to the entire library searchable by topic. It's also going to give you access to all of my book notes, the audio course, the library of resources that I catalog every week from everything I'm finding online, I'm adding to that. The weekly guides that you get on Wednesdays, I'm cataloging everything that I've ever found in those guides over the last several years, searchable by topic in my library there as well. All of that you can get access to if you just go over to coachingforleaders.com, activate your free membership, you'll see the member dashboard there and an introduction for me on how to access all of that. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week for our next conversation on leadership. Have a fabulous week, and I look forward to our next conversation. Take care.